The Bible said this will be a sign. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying. It says it three times in Luke chapter 2. You'll find them lying in a manger. The nativity scene. Is there anything in America right now that is more sentimental than the, anything more controversial than the nativity scene? They're fighting all over the country right now over whether or not they can put up the nativity. They're arguing over whether this can be on public properties up in, or rather down in Boca Raton, Florida. They've actually erected a satanic nativity, a 300-pound solid metal pentagram opposite the traditional nativity. Last Tuesday, four or five days ago, somebody hooked a chain around it, tied it up to a pickup, presumably in the name of Jesus, and pulled that thing over and drug it several feet through the yard. It's the third time it's happened in the last month. Up in Detroit, they have a snake-tivity, presumably because the lions are snake-bit, And it sits again opposite the traditional nativity. Jex Blackmore says, we're simply out to prove that the Christians don't have all of the space. And so naturally, the Christians showed up and staged a live nativity on the Capitol ground, supporters of Ted Cruz, by the way, from morning to night. They're arguing about this in Nebraska. The atheists are out buying up all of the public display property so the Christians can't have that land. It's happening in Texas, and so Governor Greg Abbott has challenged Christians everywhere to fight back. This is what he says. He says, you need to stand up to the few who are trying to throw God out of the public space. Down in Florida, they've decided to remove the nativity, says Pam Olson, the leader of the prayer network down there, we hope that the absence of the nativity will be louder than the presence of the nativity. She says, we hope the Christ of Christmas will be louder than the figurines. It shouldn't surprise us that this wrangling is going on because it seems in America in the last three or four years, the dominant narrative has been one of injustice. Somebody's rights are being persecuted. Somebody is in the minority. Somebody is on the margin. You almost might say it is the nativity alive in America. Somebody's trying to get in, but there's no room in the inn for somebody. And so they've decided to take up arms. They've decided to take to the streets, or better yet, take to Facebook and Twitter and banter live, try to get their space back. Christians are doing it too in order to preserve their space. And what intrigues me is that we are doing this for the manger. And yet, the way we're doing it is so unmanger-like. If you think about it, the child is born in a living room, as Matt said last night, because there's no room in the inn, but he's not born bantering for his space in the inn. He's just born quietly on the margins because there's no room in the inn. 
Strangely enough, all of the talk today about reconciliation, bringing warring sides together, has not quite hit the mark because I think we have forgotten the genius of the manger. Listen to it. Reconciliation, says the manger, is not simply forgiveness. It isn't restitution. That's included, but it's bigger than that. Reconciliation is the reunion of two who used to be one, who belong to one another, who need one another, but over time they have drifted apart and they have each clung to their identities, whether it is black or whether it's white, whether it's Hispanic or whether it's American or whether it's rich or whether it's poor, whether it's educated or whether it's simple. They have drifted on opposite sides and each one clung to their identities. And reconciliation is not simply making room for both of them. Reconciliation is making the two one. Reconciliation is one body, one community, one family, one church, though with different natures. So reconciliation isn't a program. It's not an initiative. It's a person. In the manger, the act of God and the person of God are the same. It isn't something God does. It's something God is. Two natures. He comes from one world and yet he lives Thoroughly in another, in the world that he's trying to save. He comes not only as Savior, he comes as one needing saved. He isn't just the counselor, he's the addict. He's not just lawgiver. He's criminal. He's lawbreaker, prisoner. Tom Torrance says, he has every sin that you have, only he didn't get them the way you got them. He absorbed your sin. Surely he has taken up our transgressions. He has carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we get healed. He didn't just forgiving us. He is absorbing us. And in the exchange, we become new creatures. You see the power of this? The one who is offended, the one who is oppressed, the one who is hurt, the one who is held out from the center, the one who wants room and can't find it, is the one who takes the initiative. But he does not come in power. He comes in vulnerability. Because he is not motivated 
by a cause, by righteousness, or by justice. He is motivated by compassion for, if you can believe this, the ones who have offended him. And he does not simply forgive their sins, he absorbs their sins. And so in a strange way, at the end of the day, he walks away feeling heavy and dark and laden, and they walk away scot-free. This is not the way we argue in America today, is it? This is not the way that we argue for racial equality or for economic justice. It's not the way Christians and non-Christians fight anymore. We fight over the manger in a way that is so unmanger-like, but when Paul tells us that we are to be the reconciliation of Jesus Christ, this is what he means, church. He means we who feel offended are to make the first move. And we are to move not with power or rhetoric or advice shouting across lines of division. We are to move in vulnerability by putting ourselves in weakness into the hands of the very oppressors themselves. They could abuse us, you say. They could take advantage of us. They could. That's the risk. But you understand, you can't reconcile in any other way. If there was another way to do this, he would have told you. The only way to reconcile is for someone who can live in both worlds, the world where God lives and the standards and the way of living is completely different and yet thoroughly involved in the world that we are trying to save. And why? So that we might take this world around us up into the communion and the fellowship of God. Sometime... In 2017, you will be the victim of prejudice. And you won't have to be black or Hispanic to feel it. If you are black or Hispanic, you most certainly feel the prejudice. The question is not whether there will be prejudice and injustice. There will be. The question is, how will you make it right? Will you push back with Facebook? Will you argue on Twitter? Will you try to get as many followers as you can so the other side has to listen to you? Or will you just come quietly and yet conspicuously and live inside the community that you feel is wrong and flawed? And will you grow up there for 33 years? Why, that's longer than most of us have lived in any community. But there's no other way to change a community. Communities don't need icons. They need reconcilers. Will you live, invest, buy, share with the community that you are trying to save? You'll be the victim of something this year, and how will you push back? God is alive, and he is active in our world today.
We have people in our community, our church, that are reconcilers, and they feel the heaviness or the weight of this. I talked just two weeks ago with Sia working with a group of women in the VIP, and she talked about the burden and the heaviness, and she says, I feel sometimes like I'm just giving into the culture, and then other times I feel like it's just a waste of time. Are you making any headway? Yes, sometimes women will come out and leave the industry. How many? 21. <laughs> That's reconciliation. When people go into schools and live among the people in the families that they're trying to reach, not as missionaries, not as evangelists, but as reconcilers, firmly embedded in the community that they are trying to reach. This is who we are, and this is what we are called to.